quote a great fallen Northern Irish Jedi, there's always a bigger fish, so there is. And there is always a bigger fish, as we saw at the end of this episode of The Mandalorian. Very exciting. Do you think that was Pirate Captain Gorian Short? Oh my god. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the latest Empire Podcast Supporter Special dedicated to The Mandalorian. Very exciting. Yay. This one was chapter 18. Chapter 18, can you believe it? Entitled The Minds of Mandalore, in which Mando and Grogu travel to Mandalore at long last. We get to see what it looks like. It basically looks like Camden and <laughs> <laughs> they find the Civic Centre right next to the Nandos. Yep. And In between they're... the Tesco Metro and the Argos. <laughs> <laughs> and they're uh, Mando got the, the Mandos, surely. How do we... How, what's the, oh, open, Mando's chicken. I mean, honestly, we should quit now. We should quit In now. shame. Some people have been <laughs> actively agitating for that for many years. <laughs> On a Save it for Lando's. Lando's? Lando's chicken. <laughs> Mandos, Save it for Mandos. Mandos. Oh a cheeky Mandos. A cheeky anyway, Mando. no, anyway, James sorry. Dyer is here. Ben Hi. Travis. Hello. Hey. He's here. Hey. He somersaulted into the room just moments ago. I am now front flipping everywhere. I'm, uh, I'm going to try and front flip. I beg your pardon. <laughs> I'm going Between to try you and... front flipping and his pressurized helmet, this is very sexual. Excuse me, I am purring like a muzzle shrew. <laughs> Blimey. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and front flip him to my car later and see if that works. It might work. Zoom off. Mm. Could I just also point out, just while we're at that part of the episode, that uh, last week we had uh, Richard Taylor does uh, The Mandalorian. Richard Taylor! This week we have Pelimoto saying to him, who taught you to leap like a Lerman? Bears Lerman! Ah, yeah, that's the thing. I... (laughs) <laughs> I love IG-11, but I'm mad about R5-D4. Was it R5-D4 in this week's episode? Yeah, R5-D4, that, yes. Bad motivator and all. That is actually R5-D4. Because I wasn't sure if it yeah. was like just another R5 unit or no? whether it actually was R5-D4. That's the OG. D4. The OG. Oh, my this God. The one from the, from the, the, the Jawas have at the start. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. The, the one with one the bad that, motivator. The who, one that Luke and yeah. Owen originally buy in, in favour of R2. And then he... Fucks up completely. Except Luke goes, Uncle Owen, this R2 unit's got a bad motivator. I think you'll find, Luke, it's just an R5 unit, not an R2 unit. You know. He was just a farm boy then. He was. He didn't know these things. He didn't. Now he's going to have to pass his station to pick up the power confusions. He has, he has big Ben energy at that sequence of the what? film, I'm saying. Because well, he's got a massive dong. <laughs> what? Does he? What, what is happening? <laughs> Big Ben, the, the clock. Oh, I oh. see. Sorry. I mean, not that I should have. I, I should have. Been. Yes, of course. I didn't make absolutely. that connection at all. I was like, wow, this got sexual very early for reasons I don't fully understand and I'm not entirely comfortable with because we haven't even got onto the part where Mando says, I've pressurized my helmet. And I'm saying you should never do that. And he could go blind. <laughs> and we've broken Chris. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so your initial instinct upon hearing that you might have a big dong was to deny it. <laughs> I, 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 no, I don't. I panicked. <laughs> speaking, speaking of big anyway, dongs. Yes, yes. Could, could someone explain to me, because I'm sure it was explained in the episode of Boba Fett in which Mando is inept with the Darksaber. Why is it so fucking heavy for him? Because he he doesn't he's not trained with the the ways of the dark saber. It's literally made of light. How much mass could no, it have? The dark saber by its, it's by its own nature dark? is made of sort of uh, like dark matter. So it's it's naturally did, heavier. Did you learn this from your recent watchings of the blur blur? 
It's explained in the fucking Mandalorian. Is it though? It is. It <laughs> I genuinely imagine is. It's like uh, on a video game when inverted settings are on. And so he's having to remember <laughs> to like push down instead of swipe up. I, I play with inverted around. settings. Oh, what all, is all, all people of a certain age play with inverted Ooh. y-axis. That's, that's a fact. Wow. I bet you do. Uh, Pressurized <laughs> helmets and all. Anyway, listen, uh, let's, let's try and uh, reign in the chaos for a second. Don't leap like a lerman. And talk about this episode of The Mandalorian. And before we do so, <laughs> should we explain exactly how Grogu returned to Mando? Because uh, remember in last week's episode, yes. when, in the brief interludes where we actually were discussing the episode, <laughs> On last week's episode, we talked about, I said, can you imagine if someone out there watched <laughs> chapter 16, yeah. skipped the book of Boba Fett entirely, to the end. and then watched chapter 17, and it begins with Grogu popping up in Mando's spaceship. What His that new per- spaceship what, what that we've that, not seen before. <laughs> yes. What that would be like for that person. But surely... Such a person doesn't exist. Mm. Turns out such a person does exist. Someone slid into my DMs this week and said, I am that person. Quite a few people. I was completely and utterly stunned when Kroku rocked up at the beginning of chapter 17. Mm. So can you please quickly fill me in on that state of uh, of, of affairs. We should point out, if you do want to watch them, it's episodes five and six of The Book of Boba Fett. And yes. seven, really. Well, I mean, really, right. no. I mean, you can get away without watching seven. I don't think you really... Like, yes, they're involved at the climax, but I don't think you need to know how well, that no, story no, ends. They, they stay together at the end of, of chapter seven of The Book of Boba Fett. But so. they're together in cha- the end of chapter six. So I think you can go from the end of chapter no, no. six straight into this, can't you? They get reunited in seven, don't do they? they? in the middle of the battle. Do they? Well, really... I've managed to block out most of that show quite successfully. So I'm pretty sure they don't actually get reunited until oh. seven. Well, this is this is a revelation. That means people have got to watch three episodes of the Book of Boba yeah. Fett. I mean, that's half the series. That's quite a lot. All right, so it's, it's entirely possible we don't know <laughs> how this happened, but from recollection, yes, I don't have the time to go back or indeed the inclination to yeah. listen to our spoiler specials. Uh, frankly, for anything like this, we probably don't explain it either on no shows. <laughs> So, but chapter five of the Book of Boba Fett was an entirely Mandalorian-centric episode in which Boba Fett mercifully did not yes. appear, and the quality of the show rocketed skywards as a result. And Skywalker everyone went, Woods. Pray, "Praise Jeebus! Here is the true hero of this franchise, and it was great." But he was a bit alone, and he didn't. Re- oh, he was a bit lonely. And he, he was a bit moody really, with people. He went he in and moody. trashed up this yeah. place. He was like back doing bounty hunting. He was on a side quest and, again, and he. Just, and he was terrible with the dark saber. He had a big old chat with the armorer, and she's like, "You have to go and take, go to the mines." That's where and it's explained. That's where it's explained. Yes. Oh no, I remember the sequence. It's when he's dueling with the other Mandalorian, and he's just utterly inept with it. And I remember there's some kind of blah 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 blah. blah. And I was like, "All oh, right, okay, good." Yeah, but that's, that's where it's explained. Then episode chapter six was a much more Grogu centric, but Amanda <gasps> was in it too. Okay, and we so, get to see Grogu. Sorry, Ben. Grogu is at. Luke Skywalker's little Jedi temple. There's these little spider robots building domes uh, for the burgeoning Jedi temple. He's having a great time. It's like the reverse of, uh, or a replay of Empire Strikes Back because uh, like Luke is running around. He's got Baby Yoda on him and Baby Yoda, this is where Baby Yoda learns to flip. This is a crucial pivotal development for this specific episode of Mando because he starts like front flipping and back flipping all over the place they built a special puppet just so that he could do flips now Uh, really that is yeah yeah the um, Lerman puppet they have one that's basically like a floppy one on a couple of sticks that they can then like you're very thin ice here They can they can just rag it around basically versus the ones that have loads of gizmos and electronic-y bits inside it 
Wow, beautifully um, explained. Uh, I like it. And then, um, what's her name? Ahsoka turns up and Ahsoka. she's palling around a with Luke Ahsoka. and they have a little bit of a chat. And then Luke can kind of tell that little Grogu's heart maybe just necessarily isn't in it. He misses his dad too much. Mando comes to have a look at Grogu, just check that he's doing okay, but he stands at a heartbreaking distance oh. because if he gets involved and if Grogu sees him, then obviously Grogu's going to be like, oh, my dad's back. So but he, he leaves him to, a gift. But he leaves him a little gift. A little gift so that the Beskar spear, the cool as hell Beskar spear, yeah. gets turned, I think, by the armorer yes. into a teeny tiny Beskar chainmail shirt Onesie. for Grogu. A baby grow. A little Bennett from Commando. Mini Bennett from Commando. He has gone for Bennett. Bennett! Uh, what if uh, Grogu's first words were, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes, John! I'm, <laughs> I'm going to shoot, shoot you between, between the walls! <laughs> Sorry, Richard Taylor just intervened again. <laughs> <laughs> the last minute there uh, but yes yes and then oh yes so Luke still doing this. <laughs> sits Grogu down he's yes. like I can tell you, you're getting a bit of back and forth over what you want to do so I'm going to sit you down and on the one side is I think is that Yoda's lightsaber it is Yoda's it's like lightsaber it's, it's it's a, is it definitely Yoda's mm-hmm. I think I think Fav said that on stage the other day and I was like oh is that actually Yoda's or where Yoda? did Luke get Yoda's lightsaber from the Don't shop ask. dickhead <laughs> Yeah, it's stashed away. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Go to Forbidden Planet is fucking That's dope. true. That is very true. Um, and so on the one side is Yoda's lightsaber. On the other side is the little Beskar chainmail jacket. Now, not being funny, but like, was he not given the option to take the lightsaber but leave? Like, because that's what I'd have done. I'd be like, well, I mean, this is nice, but I want the lightsaber, but I'm also leaving. Can I have both? Can yes. I Can I have both? This seems like a, it doesn't seem like an either or situation. <laughs> he takes both. He chops Luke's head off. Yeah, that's it's it. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a symbolic choice between his two potential paths, his two dads, and for me, oh like a God. further sign that we get from you this episode. You can count on me. No matter what you do, What's you happening? can count on me. My two dads. Yeah, I, I, the, the I sitcom, don't the that. classic 1980s yeah, sitcom. We don't, we don't cover Paul that one Reiser on the uh, and Greg Evigan and Giovanni Ribisi. Sure. Now we're talking. But he was Fanny Ribisi, no, Fanny Ribisi back in those what? days. Yeah. Check it out. His, he went by Fanny Ribisi. No, not Fanny Ribisi. Fonny Ribisi. F-O-N-N-I. Oh, right. This is not Fonny helpful Ribisi. for the person who didn't watch Book of Boba Fett. He's not wrong. Theme tune performed and uh, written and performed by Greg Evigan, the star of the show. So, And that was it. I just gave you an excerpt of... Ben, sorry to derail you. Carry on, Ben. It's a thematic choice. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he picks his one true dad, his Mando dad. He picks the little Beskar chainmail and Luke's like, do you know what? Get out, you, you little ingrate. You're more likely to go down a dark path by not going with where your heart Forever is telling you to go. dominate your destiny. Kind of like that. And um, so go with Mando. Go and be with your real dad because that is going to be a good path for you. But I think this is still leading to a thing where he's going to be the bridge between the two cultures. He's like a Jedi, but he's a Mando at the same time. I, I, I don't know. I, I, think think that, I think that's taken him off the board so he's not at Luke's Academy on the night that Kylo Ren goes loco. That is also good. I support him not being there when that yeah. happens. And this, he, he this would, is he would have stopped it. Is this the first episode of Mando where he is actually referred to as his dad? Because Bogotan says your dad specifically calls him his dad. Might be. I is it not that. weird that he is older than his dad? Because <laughs> we we're into some fucking Freudian shit first, here. First of all, we don't know how old. 
Din no, we Djarin do. Is. From the vi- oh no, we don't know how old Din Djarin is. That's we know true. how old Pedro we know Pascal how old- is. Yes, and we know how old Grogu is because we're yes. told Werner Herzog tells us at the beginning. Yes, he's fifty years old or something like that. Libation. <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So that's pretty much what happens there. He makes the choice, and he? and then what happens? And then uh, there's a big old fuck. Whatever. <laughs> big old what? There's a big, a big old, old fucking something. Big old brawl on Tatooine. Right. I don't there's know. A, there's a fuck Boba brawl. Fett there's is... a fuck brawl on Tatooine. Boba Fett's I missed riding... this chapter of the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> was this Boba... just... Sorry, Boba Fett's riding what? Was this... <laughs> <laughs> Boba Fett rides a rancor in the fuck yes. brawl. Wow. <laughs> Top or bottom. Everything said is true. Uh, because he's trying to fight against the pikes. Some like... <laughs> some like... Don't tell me your name, pikes. Gangsters or something. Yeah. All of that is nonsense. Anyway, there's a big fight... Boba Fett is riding a Rancor. The Rancor goes nuts and starts trashing everything. Grogu comes in and puts the Rancor to sleep. Oh, he does. That's right. And he puts it to sleep. He does. Very nice. A bit like Mick Dundee. Mick Dundee sends someone to sleep with his <laughs> well, tiny yeah, hands. Little, yeah, he does the little, the little thing, the little wobbly thing with his fingers. I haven't seen Crocodile Dundee in a long, long time. Anyway, I don't word for it. <sighs> anyway, he puts the he puts the wrinkle to sleep, and then Mando for some reason is like riding round the streets of Tatooine on like a little tuk tuk thing because they're being chased they're being by attacked and chased by the thing that, people, the, the sons and of Anakin. Then, Grogu like leaps into his arms and it's like ah we're kind of both busy up mm. right now but we're back together it's like a little surprise like a, kind a of brief moment uh, he leaps like a lemon into the arms of Mando they're like hooray and then they will return in Mando they will there you go that, that's a pretty decent proceed I would say we and we've just saved you from wasting six hours of your life so that's also, good that did last as long as that's the fair entirety but we did get an interesting effect. fact about my two dads that was nice we did yeah, yeah. Uh, so there were actually two different title sequences for my two dads one for each dad yes <laughs> uh, my, my favourite dad was always Paul Reiser because he was Burke in Aliens yeah. Uh, and Greg Evigan was not so. Yeah, you know. I mean that's that's yeah, fair. That's fair. So this episode of The Mandalorian <laughs> sees Mando and Grogu finally go to Mandalore. Chapter eighteen, we finally get to see Mandalore, what it looks like in live action after the purge, which of course we all know from the blah blah. And uh, what do we think before we get into this episode? What do we think overall of this episode? Was it a good episode? Was it a bad episode? Did you like the episode? Was it somewhere in between? I mean. Ben's going to love it because it's an episode of The Mandalorian. And I kind of feel like if Baby Grogu, Baby Grogu, just Grogu, uh, if Grogu just sat there and dribbled for an hour, you'd be perfectly content. But I, yeah. I am a more critical viewer of the show. And I will say, I give this the thumbs up. I thought the first one, apart from being just like a short half hour, you know, breeze of fresh air, like, there wasn't much to it. It was very sort of light, very slight. As I said before, all filler, no killer. This one felt like, A, it moved the plot along a little bit. We got to see some Mandalore. We got to go down to the Mines of Mandalore, which are on Mandalore. And you would think that on Mandalore, the Mines of Mandalore are just called the Mines. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. I quite enjoyed the fact that, as you said, it looks a bit like Camden Town down there, so it's quite familiar. Uh, and, you know, we got some bow action in there. Which is nice too. We got a weird cannibal, well, not really cannibal, cannibal eye droid thing oh trying God. to eat Din. General Grievous's freaky cousin. Yeah, Din for dinner. Din Din. Yeah, Din Din. He was nearly Din Din's. Yeah. He was pressuring the helmet. He, I mean, he was. You should never say. pressure someone's helmet. He was going to eat at the local branch of Mando's. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we go. Finally We've done it. We worked he, in there. Yeah, he likes, no one noticed. <laughs> he's so bad, he goes for the Vusa. What? Oh. Super spicy. 
I like the Fuso. Oh, the Fuso. See, I, I missed Amanda's reference there. Mm. See, I'm a medium man myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's not what I've heard about Ben. <laughs> oh, Ben's lemon and herb. If ever there were a lemon and herb, it's Ben. Oh, what? <laughs> that's not true. Uh, I deny that. See, see, James, James just heard Ananda's reference, whereas I was going purely for a below the base. Oh, right, okay. That's, that's fine. fine. All good, all good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, so James liked this episode. Yes, ben, I did. You were on last it. week's episode. Um, oh, my God. Of I, the show, not The Mandalorian. But you weren't on that either, in fairness. Yes, I know. I was so sad to miss last week because it was the week of all weeks. It was the thing I've spent three years dreaming of, which was Grogu and Anzellan's Possibly Babu Frick. I think the main one might be Having Babu a fuck brawl, I believe. <laughs> no, they were, they, yeah. There was no squeezies in that. I cannot believe you went through the whole pad- podcast without saying, oh, no, yes. squeezies! no squeezies. No squeezies. Yeah. That's the only thing I've said for the past week. <laughs> it's like the universe conspired against me being here because it just knew that I could not mm. handle anything and that I could not handle saying any words except no squeezies. No squeezies. Funny enough, that's exactly what Din Djarin said when someone tried to pressurize his helmet. So. <laughs> it's also what was denied from me after I tes- tested positive for COVID. What squeezies? No squeezies. No squeezies. Once you've got a positive test. You okay now? I'm fine. I'm all good. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm better than ever. Um, antibodied up. And Tremendous. yeah, the first episode I thought was generally like a really fun, solid season opener, which I kind of thought about the season two opener as well, where they go to Freetown and fight the big sea snake thing. The crate dragon. The crate dragon. That was it. Uh, it felt kind of like that. Again, it was like, we have some big set pieces. We have like, we're just reintroducing you to the world. We're going to do some fun adventure stuff. Plus the greatest scene in all of Star Wars. And then this episode, which, which was Grogu and the Anzellans, obviously. Oh, I see. Um, okay, last week. Oh. I thought you were talking about the sea, the sea crate. Okay. Whereas uh, this episode today, I thought was another like really solidly good episode with a few exciting big moments that did a nice job of kind of blending the adventure of the week thing with the overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. I think that's the mode that Mando is having to kind of walk the line of at the moment because the second half of season two got kind of more into the overarching narrative stuff, whereas season one and the first half of season two mm. were much more adventure of the week with a little Monster sprinkling of, yeah. of, of a bigger plot behind it all. Yeah. And I think I like both of those things. I like both of those modes, but I think some of the reaction to last week's episode was people being upset that it didn't really move anything forward. But it was a really fun, okay. adventure episode. Whereas this one, maybe for people, will have been a more satisfying mix of still an adventure of the week, still, oh, let's go to a new planet and meet some weird things and fight some freaky aliens, and but also yeah. moving the bigger yeah. picture along. Well, I, I think actually, yeah, it's interesting. Some of the criticisms of last week's episode I thought were, were interesting to observe. I think yes, and we discussed it on the show ourselves, that it was... Uh, maybe a little bit more kid-friendly in tone and certainly something like like Andor uh, was or is. But I don't mind that. It's Star Wars. Yeah. It, that, that's fine. I, I read a ridiculous piece online about how the dialogue is terrible. Uh, but this is clearly very heightened, very mannered George Lucasian dialogue that Favs is nailing here. This, this, this is not meant to be like how you or I talk or even mm-hmm. how the more naturalistic dialogue of Andor. This is meant to be Star Wars, then people speak in a certain way. The thing that's so distinctive about Andor is that it's Star Wars with no pulp. It's like zero pulp Star Wars, which is a fascinating thing because Star Wars was born out of pulp storytelling. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible that it works and the things that that show is able to do. The Mandalorian has always been like 
Star Wars with extra pulp because it's leaning back into the sort of serialized storytelling that they were drawing from in the first place. This is like fun, pulpy Star Wars with a bit of extra pulp, you know? And I I don't like this idea of like, now that we've seen Andor, we want Mando to be more like Andor or... That reaction doesn't sit well with me. I think Mando needs to stay Mando. And I thought this was very much in line. This season so far has been very much in line with season one and with season two. Like, I think this has been consistent in tone and feel and and fun. Like, Andor is incredible, but it's not a fun show. It's, it's an exciting show and it's an intriguing show, but it's not a fun show. And this is a really fun show. Say no to Mandor. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I just don't. Like, if, I think this is a Star Wars thing in general. Like the yeah. the sequel movies happen, and then Mando happens, and it's like, oh, we don't like the sequels anymore. We like Mando, and then Andor happens, and it's like, well, we like Andor, but we don't really like Mando as much now. And it's this like whatever is the new thing. We now like the thing before it. I don't think less. it's to do with novelty. I think it's to do with a certain demographic of the audience. I think that the older people such as myself who have always loved Star Wars, we were given something with Andor, and to a certain extent, a little bit with The Last Jedi, that we've never been given before, which is a hint of what adult Star Wars looks like. I think Rogue One did did that. Rogue One did that as well. Yes, that is true. Gilroy's had his fingerprints all over this stuff. But uh, yeah, and it's it's suddenly you felt seen by Star Wars in a way that maybe you hadn't. Because, you know, it feels like sometimes people think that Star Wars goes downhill, but I think sometimes it's that they've grown out of, they've aged out of the area that Star Wars is most appealing. And I think Andor spoke to that older audience directly and specifically and made them feel very seen and included in a Star Wars universe in a way maybe they felt a little excluded for a while. And so now it's maybe hard for them to readjust. But I think you're right. I think there's room for both things. I think Mando being broad enough to, to appeal to a wider age range is great. I think you're right. It has a sense of fun and it's silly, and I never get bored of seeing Grogu's little ears flapping in the wind. Like, it's just wonderful. Uh, And, you know, long may that continue. I think it's fine. That said, that said, I think it was fine to have this kind of slightly procedural, slightly episodic format early on when you're establishing the character and you're learning about that character through this Monster of the Week format. I think we know who this character is now and there is a larger storyline and I think it would be in their interest to lean into serialized storytelling mm-hmm. at this point. I think there's room for standalone adventures, but I think everything at this point, it should be like, it advances the larger plot or what's it doing there? Because I think we, we you know, I feel like we've we don't need filler episode anymore I think let's let's progress let's have a story let's enjoy this world I don't know about that I mean I know that in a in a 22 episode season you would often have to have filler episodes you would often have to have you know if it was say X-Files you would definitely have Monster of the Week episodes and you'd have the larger mythology episodes as well that would start advancing the plot and I guess with an 8 episode season your your time pressure like Mando's helmet is a bit more pressurised so, I can see that, but I also I, I think that they have time to kick back and have a Monster of the Week episode. And I thought this week it was a really nice blend of, of the two, as Ben was saying. I think that this show has, for me, settled into a really lovely groove already, where, you know, I don't know how many episodes of The Mandalorian you're going to go into going, or, or coming out of going, oh my God, I've just seen the face of God. And it, was, <laughs> it was absolutely tremendous. You know, I, as I've said, I thought Chapter 16, The Rescue, was that episode for me. Once again, seeing it on the big screen as we did a couple of weeks ago, was just a, an absolutely euphoric experience. But I also don't think you're going to come out of an episode of The Mandalorian going, well, that stunk. 
like a bantha doo-doo. I, I just, I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't know what happened on the Book of Boba Fett. I don't know what happened, whether it was just a misconception from the off or whether the hearts weren't really in it or the character's not fascinating. But something happened on that show mm. um, that isn't happening on this show. And I don't know if it's just as simple as they have Din Charon and they have Grogu. Mm. I don't think it's, it's that simple. Maybe it's because the palette changes every week. But it's also, I think those characters are a delight to spend time with. And even without Grogu, I think Mando alone can carry the show, as we saw when Grogu was abducted. Like, Mando alone is very entertaining company, in a way that Boba Fett is not. We started the show with him on his own. Indeed. What I thought was interesting about this week's episode was it it inferred that. Mm. And Mando was the one who was in peril, and Grogu had to ride to the rescue. Now, we could spend all day discussing how quick and easy it is to get from place to place (laughs) in Star Wars, and well, it's in the same system, isn't it? So they're actually not far from each other. True, but also he was he was in Tatooine one minute, and then he's a Mandalore the next minute, and then he gets into the trouble of Mandalore, and uh, he sends Grogu off to go to the shops, basically to pick up Bo-Katan, and then she come, then he comes back like what seems like seconds later. But I'm I'm assuming some time has elapsed. Uh, it's not just that simple. I think some time has elapsed, and they've been really clear as well. His ship is ridiculously fast, faster than he knows what to do with. And I think maybe that's how they're accounting for a lot of the hopping around at the moment. I feel like the Razor Crest took its sweet time chugging through hyperspace. It was the VW camper van of spaceships. Oh. It was. It was tooting along with uh, a little puff of smoke out the back, whereas this is like... Pew. I do miss it, though. I do miss I it. I do miss it. They haven't answered, like, where is he living? Where does he live now? Because he could live in the Razor Crest. Is he's a bit like Jack Reacher in that he, he'll use that to get around and then every night he'll go to a different planet, go to a motel at random, and then just haggle. Have a three-minute shower. Have a three-minute shower, uh, pressurize his helmet, and then <clears throat> and off he goes. But he'll do that thing where he'll go to, he'll go to the, the, the clerk at the desk and go, how much for a room? The clerk would go, 35 credits, and he'll go, 15 credits, because 15 credits is better than nothing. The clerk would go, all right. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Oh, that's such a Jack Reacher line. Mando is Jack Reacher in space. Maybe that's why I love it. Mm. Maybe that's why I love it. Anyway. Mm. Mando said actually quite a lot, though. What's that? Mando said quite a lot, though. He did say quite a lot. Um, But the reason I was talking about this was, I I remembered it, yes, uh, that... Mando is obviously the, the damsel in distress this week, if you want to use those old tropes, and uh, Grogu leaps into the rescue, and then Bo-Katan, literally, uh, you know, beautifully, on International Women's Day, comes to the rescue, <laughs> <laughs> and Mando's just an incompetent lump in this week's episode. Yeah, he yeah. would have been absolutely fucked this week. It doesn't feel like the most dangerous situation he's ever been in, but this is the one that probably yeah. would have like left him dead and buried and no one would ever find him down I'm there. unclear what was happening to him. It felt like he was being roasted. I think he was being they were siphoned. squeezing the juices out. I think they, he was he being... plugged yeah. him in and was like... Because <laughs> I was going to say, because that, that weird life form in the suit thing didn't look like he had much in the way of a mouth. So I wasn't quite sure what was happening there. It was like a like a Fremen suit. What do you call those? Still suits? Still suit, yeah. yes. They were turning them into a giant still suit. They were basically drinking this piss and shit. How lovely. Uh... Uh, it's an Mandos. interesting in <laughs> yeah <laughs> extra spicy it's peri peri good it's an interesting inversion though isn't it of like I, I like that this is giving us the consequences of Grogu training consequences consequences I was away from the microphone I had to run <laughs> you had to run back <laughs> I had to sprint back <laughs> 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 consequences uh, but of, of 
that training with Luke that Grogu now is becoming more capable on his own. I like this level of growth that he has more mobility. Obviously, they physically have more mobility with the puppets and what they can do. They're getting more confidence in creating these episodes of what they can make Grogu feasibly do. But in the context of the show, yeah, he is becoming a more capable character. These guys have a long enough history that he can say, the Din can say to Grogu, hop back in your crib, get back to the ship, go get Bo-Katan, come back here. And I like the possibilities that that's going to open up going forward, that Grogu is, as well as being adorable and a little scamp, is going to be a capable character. He's going to bring something to this Prediction. Dynamic. Before this is over, Grogu, Force Lightning. I, I, I... Sorry, I'm watching the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have seen it, right? <laughs> I 100% think Grogu is going to the dark side. Oh. Or at least flirting. Not like going full like Darth Grogu, but I think he's going to be flirting with it. Because hasn't he force choked someone at one point already? Mm, yeah, he did. And as well as committing genocide against yep. a bunch of like fetal frog people. He was hungry. Yeah, we talked about this on last week's show to an extent, yeah. didn't we? About this idea that he's going to be, what was it? Someone wrote in and said he's not going to be, not the dark side, but the grey side, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And again, going off what Fav said at the, uh, the Q&A yeah. with him, where he goes, you know, Grogu was a name that I thought could apply. You know, it's a cute name. People say Grogu, but then obviously if he went down a different path, he could also fit Grogu. Darth Grogu. Grogu. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think there might be something in that for sure. Uh, the reason I was watching the episode was because I wanted to see the credits again because I, I I noticed something that we didn't discuss on last week's show, and I want to see whether it's actually the same for this week's show, which was that two of the members of Team Mando are now credited. They are actors in the cast. I spotted their names uh, again: uh, Latif Crowder, Latif Crowder, and Brendan Wayne. Yes, they uh, are John Wayne's grandson. Uh, the, the, genuinely that is John Wayne's grandson Brendan Wayne who is there's a third one there's a third member um, Barry Corvin I think his name is who is listed now as I think performance capture for someone else mm. which is interesting so he's but he's not he's not listed but Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder are two of the guys who are in the suit when Pedro Pascal on the, on the rare occasions yes, when Pedro Pascal on the almost non-existent <laughs> occasions in which Pedro Pascal is not on set because he, he just turns up he's jumping at the bit put yeah. me in that suit yeah. I want to be in that suit he's always there yeah cover my face immediately <laughs> wake me up when they've started filming <laughs> so, so these two guys uh, Brendan Wayne I believe is action Mando and Latif Crowder, I believe, is walking around. <laughs> Swagmando. Swagmando. Swagamando. Yeah, yes, I could, I could do that. Swagmando so. sounds like he'd be out of Phantom Menace or he's, Swagmando. he's in Dex's diner in <laughs> yeah. Attack of the Clones. Isn't there the fourth guy? I'm pretty sure it's Barry Corvin or Corwin or Corvin or something like that. And I apologize if he's listening to this list. I know he is. I think there was someone who, one of them was literally just, he would do the draws. Mm. Quick draw Mando. He would be the quick draw Mando, and then one of them's walking around Mando, and then one of them's action Mando, doing all the fighting, the stunts. And stuff. He can bring you in warm. Yeah. He can bring, he you, bring you in cold. cold. <laughs> and he can bring, he can you, bring you in just, just right. right. <laughs> uh, but yes. Did you also discuss from the credits last week? No. Uh, not just that we also got concept art of the squeezies moment. Incredible. I missed Absolutely that completely, Ben. You fixated on the squeezies moment. You really have. I simply of course did not. I have. Of course. <laughs> um, but also the 
uh, Ludwig Göransson is not doing the score yes. these days, so he's credited for the themes, but there's somebody else. Wow, doing someone hasn't been listening to the Empire podcast interview no, I, did I did with John Favreau. Oh, Wait, awkward, awkward. The one I did is actually on the Empire podcast where no, he that said one. that Ludwig has taken a step back this this season because he's busy, you know, Oppenheiming, Oppenheiming, and doing movies and stuff like that. But Joseph Shirley, who's been under his wing, uh, has stepped up busy. to the plate, and it, it, the same thing happened on Creed Three. Joseph Shirley right. did the score on Creed Three uh, using Ludwig's themes, so I think it's very much a you know young apprentice situation. My young apprentice, you want this Casio keyboard, <laughs> don't you? Take it, strike, strike me, me down. down. <laughs> <laughs> Play your father's play for my side. You know it. I'll have it. <laughs> so be it, composer. Ah <laughs> oh dear, good episode. Yeah, good app. Good Strong app. app. Good app. Strong app. Um, so questions, 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 questions. First of all, well, has Bo-Katan been so. sitting in that same position for a week? Has she just been sitting on that throne unmoving for a week? Yes, I'm going to send you a really funny TikTok uh, <laughs> in which Bo-Katan <laughs> is just bobbing around and then gets a call from her mum. And then she's like, oh, oh, Mando's coming, Mando's coming. And like rushes around like, how do you sit? I've forgotten how to sit. How do I sit in the chair? It was very funny. But she's just, she's she's in a real funk. Yeah, she's not, she's not happy. No. But they have an interesting chat. So obviously Mando, as we kind of knew, but I think this episode really spells out, it's basically a full-on religious nut job. Like he's a he's a zealot. He's a fundamentalist uh, with the emphasis on mentalist and also on the fun. Well, yeah, he's a fun he's a fun mentalist, is what he is. Yes, but it's interesting that she has also taken the creed because I always understood that the the Death Watch creed they were like a like a cult they were like a splinter group of Mandalore I didn't realise yeah, that this front of Judea indeed the, I didn't realise that this religion is basically the Mandalorian religion but they're all a bit like you know Church of England about it and like oh yes absolutely not a problem whereas he's just like fucking hardline about this shit so she took the oh she took the creed in the sacred bathwater of Mandalore in the mines yeah but it's a bit like yeah. let's say fair about it uh, this is the thing that I think is fascinating about this show, though. On the one hand, it is extra pulpy Star Wars. It's Monster of the Week. It's Grogu flying around and flipping people with his tiny hands. Uh, so many poorly chosen words in a sentence, Ben. <laughs> you need to but be mindful of who you're in the room with. This is like a fun, pulpy show. Yes, it's probably more fun for kids than Andor is, which is not for kids. No. At the same time, it is getting into the fact that what this culture is and that there's different factions and some of them are hardline believers and some of them are, are kind of less hardline and all that infighting then opened them up to being vulnerable from attack from the Empire and this history like that is not simple stuff that is more complex stuff I think it does a good job of leaning into the simple stuff when it needs to of having that simplicity of plot and storytelling but still having complexity and richness in the world and I am enjoying the the kind of route that it's going down with this episode, as you say, of what does Bo-Katan actually believe? And they go into the mines of Moria and yeah. go down to Camden, the waters of Camden. <laughs> and the canal. in that moment, like seeing her watch Mando take his steps in and repeat the sort of mantras to himself, whether she is feeling anything or not, she, I think, is sensing how much this actually means to Mando, how much he believes in it. She's seeing how much he believes in it. Mm -hmm. And then seeing the mythosaur, mm -hmm. it, I think, will change her outlook, will oh, it, maybe it push her more towards where he's coming from, which is fascinating. I, I want to see them explore 
that idea. The fact that both of these episodes so far have finished on Bo-Katan, but this one finishes with her as our point of view character, I think is really interesting. You're absolutely right. I think this is about her awakening. And we know that I think there's going to be something big happening in Mandalore soon. Notice how easily she wields the Darksaber compared yeah. to Mando, who's a, a, a great big galump. Yeah, she's quite a ninja with it. I know she needed it, but she seemed quite blasé about picking it up now when she was just so I resolutely like, must. Nah, I think she mine. can use it. I just don't think she can have it. I mean, the fact that the that General Grievous's weird little cousin got it <laughs> off Mando and then she picks it up, does that kind of mean that she can have well he it takes now? it back doesn't he like he, yeah. he he has it at the end of the episode he sticks right. it back in his belt without a second thought like she's yeah. not tried to acquire it she has yeah. returned it, it and like I'm, I'm not sure loophole. that you can trust Mando with the dark saber quite frankly because no. he's a fucking imbecile it's like it's like oh I'm gonna go into this swimming pool wearing full Beskar armor and I'm astonished when I sink <laughs> it's just like he didn't think any of this shit through hang on did, hang on do you think he sunk or was he grabbed? Well, initially, I thought he grabbed, but actually, when she goes and gets him, I feel like he literally just walked in. There's a ledge. He didn't see it, and he just plummets but he, but he has all a, the way to the bottom. He has a thingy. He took it off. He took it off before he got in the water, he's so he didn't get it wet. It's what I'm he? saying. It's what I'm saying. Honestly, he he's clueless. There's no brains in that helmet. No, pressurized not. or unpressurized. <laughs> I did have that moment where I was like, "This is so awkward." Does he like have to take the helmet to go into the? I thought that. Yeah, I thought that. To atone for taking his helmet off. Can imagine if he just went in Starkers, completely Starkers, but just kept the helmet on. And all we see is this little Mando bum just disappearing beneath the with the exact same Bo-Katan reaction shots. Yeah, she's like, "Wow, he really believes." Imagine just a, a world in which he's just walking around, lad out, <laughs> dark saber all over the place. Proud, yeah. and then, but he keeps his helmet on. <laughs> like it would not be appropriate for you to see this. <laughs> oh dear! I don't. I thought he was grabbed. I thought it was Phantom Menace all over again. I thought it was like, yeah. or even Star Wars. Where yeah, grabbed Dianoga. Yeah. No, I don't think it. I don't think it was. I think he literally just great. You know, galumph that he is. He just stepped off the edge. But can he not swim? Well, not in full Beskar armor, he can't. There's a theme going on here, isn't there? Star Wars characters who can swim and can't <laughs> oh, That's right. He went full Kino Loy. <laughs> spoiler. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Should we tell the folks there's a great Andor spoiler special coming our way? There is, indeed. There is, yeah. Very exciting. After we record this. Yes. You're talking to Tony Gilroy and Diego Luna, aren't I am. you? For an, an Andor uh, special. Uh, I'm talking then... to Tony Gilroy and or Diego Luna. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's your intro. <laughs> Uh, so keep and peel for that and there may be more exciting Star Wars uh, Empire podcast news coming your way very very soon anyway enough shameless plug in for a podcast that you're already subscribing to because you listen to this so uh, let's move on with the the episode Uh, I I don't know I did think that the Mythosaur grabbed him and then didn't want him and then dragged him down to the bottom and that's when she I I feel like if the Mythosaur had grabbed him we would just have a small crushed Mando but would the best car steal and not protect him? Not from a great big Godzilla looking thing. No. Mm, okay. It was enough. very cool, the Mythosaur. That felt like a real big moment. I mean, obviously, it was a big fish thing. There's big um, Pyakan energy from that thing. Oh my God. Pyakan energy everywhere. This has already been a season of gigantic beasties rising from the water uh, after the episode one big croc guy yes um, less said about that the better but carry on <laughs> I, I heard your feelings on the tactical or not yeah. not so tactical battle not happy there. I thought it was a fun sequence it, it had this... big Gulliver versus the Lilliputians energy and I wasn't here for it because the sign of the mythosaur like we've seen it everywhere yeah. at this point and then actually seeing one for real and having Bo-Katan's reaction to it and 
the way that we saw just like a little portion of it, just that little bit because it's so huge. I love things that show you that scope and scale of Star Wars. And they managed to show this creature while also still have it feel really mythical. I think because we only saw a bit of it and like, ooh, we, we kind of know it's real, but we don't know anything more about it. I like that it still has that mythical, mystical unknown. I mean, it's in the name. It's a mythosaur. Yeah, they were like, hmm, it's some big dinosaur and it's kind of mythological. Favreau took the day off after that. What do you call it? <laughs> hmm. uh, oh, should we take some questions? Because we are running out of time. I've got to go soon to pick up my uh, my daughter. And you have to talk to Tony Gilroy and Diego Luna. Ben, I what do. are you doing? Uh, apologies, we couldn't get you in on the work. Gilroy Luna thing. But you've already no, no. spoken to them both. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to them. There you go. I have did, did you get my questions? I do. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, good. Bit of a uh, bit of uh, in-house admin there on the podcast. I'm going to keep that bit in. Uh, here we go. The first <laughs> one. First question is from Stephen K underscore T Mando, <laughs> season three, episode one. I must have this specific droid. Sorry, <clears throat> I must have this specific droid. I trust <laughs> him. No other droid will do, and I'll go on a side quest to get the part I need to bring him back. Mando, season three, episode two. We don't have the part you need. Oh, that's not Mando. Sorry. <clears throat> that's Pelimoto. Mando Season 3, Episode 2. We don't have the part you need, says Pelimoto. What about this clearly malfunctioning droid you've no knowledge of and isn't suitable in any way? Mando. Yeah, fine. No, the Fair. best line, the best line from this Fair. episode is I need a droid who's rated for spelunking. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. That is that's brilliant. I thought. Yeah. And spelunking is what happens when you pressurize someone's helmet. Yeah. So I thought a fast Mandalorian was the greatest uh, line of dialogue. <laughs> I need a droid who is rated for spelunking. <laughs> oh, oh. This turns into the the descent with Mando, but but that's the point. He wanted IG eleven last week. This week he dropped him like a sack of spuds. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make much sense, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but I need Fun a part. was had. Yeah, you can't get that part. Okay, then. All right, fair enough. <laughs> He's just like every other stressed dad muddling through, like, I really need this. You can't have this. You'll have to do with this. Fine. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, that- I want a droid rated for spelunking, but I sure I'll take the one without any legs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Or arms, for that matter. Let's just go with this one. Also, what? Droids would be good for spelunking, like a like a BB droid. Terrible C three PO, shocking. Yeah. You try and grab the rope and immediately fall down. Yeah, you want some kind um, of spider droid. Yeah, one of the spidery ones. Would be but also, good. also like he makes it abundantly clear when he gets there, he doesn't need a droid. He's got a pressurized helmet. So why does he need a droid? Because the air might be bad. Because but it's he's the got a pressurized helmet. But Grogu doesn't. And well, Grogu's got a pressurized pod. Yeah, but he can't stand there forever. Sure, he can. Why? Why not? They're only going. He's only going spelunking. He can stay in his pod. His pod, which flies, there's an actual pod race in this. Incidentally, what if he goes to? Yeah, I like that. What if he goes uh, on Bunta Eve? Indeed, the, the Bunta Bunta pod race. I wonder if uh, would Sebulba still be alive? Well, how how many years? Ichuba, Ichuba. How many years away are we from the Phantom Menace now? Well, timeline wise. Timeline wise. I mean, a while. Sebulba's probably still kicking around though. Do you think? Or would be kicking around if he had legs instead you of think, four uh, arms. Scott Capurro and Greg Proops are still around as a two-headed commentator. <laughs> I'm going to say what it's like thirty odd years because it's twenty years from Phantom Menace. No, actually, no, it's like forty years. Yeah. It's ten years about from Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones. Then about another five years is mm-hmm. it to Revenge of the Sith? So that's like fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Then 
a 30, isn't it? 30 year gap. Yeah. And then about, what, like five years for the original trilogy? So 35 plus 15. 50 odd years, plus another five years because there's a five years after Jedi. 50, 55, 60 years. So Bulba crashed and quote, fucking quote, burned quote, for the next pod race. To quote Marge and Fargo, <laughs> not sure I agree 100% with your police work there, Lou, but, but, but sure. Um, yeah, I think you're in the ballpark. You're in the ballpark, but I think there were too many fives. We're adding too many fives really? on there at the end. I think we're maybe 50, 45 to 50 years, maybe? Someone knows, some, some great big fucking nerd out there really, truly knows this shit. But yeah, I'm just, me. I'm just interested. Also, before we, we talk about uh, Pelimoto or whatever the hell it was we were talking about, can you name any other pod racers from that, that movie? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, who's the guy with the like rectangular face? He's got a really funny name. Begins with B? I don't know any of their names, actually. No, nor do I. All right, that's an unsuccessful <laughs> <laughs> Uh So what were we talking about? We are talking about uh, Bunta Eve. What were we talking about? Anyway, we've forgotten what we were talking about, uh, or indeed how we got on to Bunta Eve and the, and the pod race. So if we do remember, I'll remember during the editing, obviously, because I'll listen back to it. But if you remember, then if you know, then write in and tell us what we were talking about. Maybe we'll finish that train of thought on next week's episode. Um, let's have another question. This one. Uh, Richard Prosser asked why can Mando not wield the dark saber and why do you think he insists on using it because practice makes perfect my friend practice makes perfect so I'm sure there's a blur blur reason for this like he needs some kind of purity of thought or motive or something Like then he's, there's, there's obviously something that Bo has that he does not no, I think it's just practice I think it's just the, the more you use it you know some people have just think she has much better upper arm strength than he does it's not, it's not, it's not to do with upper arm strength it's nothing to do with strength there's, there's a reason there's a thing and it's explained Oh, in the show. Which none of us can remember. It. It's like a go with the flow thing. He's like fighting against it. He's not going he where the blade go. wants classic to go. classic Star Wars shit. He needs yeah. to let go, right? Fuck let it, go your his... conscious thought yeah. and act on instinct. He needs to switch off his targeting computer. That's what he needs to do. Yeah. Use the force. Uh, top five records on Twitter. These are all on Twitter. Is anyone else finding Mando a bit useless in this episode? <laughs> as a trained bounty hunter slash killer slash Mandalorian, I think he should be more aware of his surroundings and a bit more badass. But, but, but I think, you know, this and this has got big Last of Us parallels. I think the closer he gets to Grogu, the more he loses his edge because he's not a bounty hunter anymore. Now he's just a dad on a day trip. Do you know what I mean? It's not, I think he is losing some of his edge because he's, you know, he's, he's in dad mode. And he's trying not to get killed. And he's, also that. Yeah. He and, has someone else to look out for. And he's depowered because he can't get the stuff from the armorer that he normally gets because the armorer's not whatnot. talking to him anymore. I mean, he's got, yeah, so. I mean, he's, he's best guard from head to toe and he's got a jetpack. He's doing all right. He's, he's doing all right, but like, yeah, the, the, he didn't use his flamethrower. He didn't have any whistling birds. And I, I get the sense that he's just, we, we are still finding him in a bit of a low ebb. He's lost his mojo a bit. I think that's part of why he feels like he needs to go and do this to get his redemption because I think he believes it, he feels it in himself as much as it just being like, I've got to tick this off the list so the armorer is going to be my friend again. Um, that said, I thought there was some really good fight stuff in this one. When he was fighting off the weird guys on the, the uh, Mandalore, yeah. the, uh, what were they called? I've got it written down here. They were called the Alamites. Mm. I thought him beating up the Alamites was a pretty good sequence. Mm -hmm. um, I thought they were a pretty cool design as well. Bo yeah. beating up the Alamites was better. It was. She was. She's really cool. She's and her game. wielding the dark saber and slicing mm. up cousin of General Grievous's big spider, giving it thing. Grievous bodily harm. 
really did. She sliced the shit out of that thing. Yeah. I also loved his like his his head bit, his one eye like crawling off. The it went a bit body. hardware at that point, didn't it? That was yeah. got his head crawls off and then comes back with a bigger body. It was very cool. Yeah. I wonder if we'll find out a bit more about that guy. I, like, I don't want too much of Star Wars to be overexplained, but like, oh, he'll ooh. get his own seven episode show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The book of this weird guy, yeah, creepy head bloke. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was such an intriguing thing. Like, why is this thing living on the planet? Like, again, a lot of this was very Lord of the Rings esque to me. Not just because every time they said the minds of Mandalore, my brain went the minds of Moria. Mm-hmm. Um, but because uh, again, the, the sense that this like weird, decrepit thing is like living down there, and um, the, the the guys that they were fighting. I don't know. It felt very kind of fantasy ish. I quite like when Star Wars interacts with other. Like sci-fi and horrors, mm-hmm. fancy horror-y stuff no, I, in a in a light way when it's done well. I like that. I like the fact we really got to see the wastes, the ruins of Mandalore this week. I did wonder about structural integrity <laughs> as they were walking and stuff, but I, that's fine. Uh, but also, I thought I thought this week was interesting. I watched it on my phone, which isn't the, the way that it's this is not to be watched. But this is not the way. But unfortunately, this is the way that I have to do it these days because circumstances have changed and, and whatnot. But I watched it on my phone and, you know, I had the brightness on full whack. I thought it was an interesting episode because it was quite dark. I don't know whether you it guys felt dark. it was dark yes. as well. Now, obviously dark by design. We should also point out this episode was directed by Rachel Morrison, who is a renowned, renowned cinematographer who shot the likes of uh, Mudbound and Black Panther. Oh, wow. And so she knows her way around a lighting setup. So it's clearly very deliberately dark this week. Did you think it was too dark or was it just enough They are, see? in fairness, entirely underground. So... There is, I also, I loved the uh, the floating light that Bo-Katan yes. has where she just flings up in the air. Little orb. Yeah, I want one of those. Yeah, I want one of those as well. I want the John Lewis are sold out. For me, I watched this on my TV and sometimes, especially with Game of Thrones, when there was a really dark episode of Game of Thrones, I was watching on them on this same TV and I had that, like, I cannot see what's going on. Whereas I didn't have that with this. I didn't feel that in this episode. But it, it is a darker episode because of the undergroundness. But um, no, it didn't bother me while I was watching. I like the little details. I like the fact that when she goes swimming after fucking lug nuts who's fallen to the bottom of the sea, uh, she turns off her light to see if she can spot his light. And then sees his light and turns her back on. I was like, yeah, good thinking. I love that sequence where she was swimming down to get him. I thought that was really, yeah. really I've got questions nice. about how jetpack works underwater, but let's not dwell on that. It's fine. It's, it's physics. And, uh, you know, I just think there's a, a, already you can sense a bigger scale. As Ben was saying, there's a big crocodile thing in, in episode one, huge monster in this, but also the, the you know, obviously some of them are very clearly matte paintings, but I'm, I'm as a child of the 80s, I am all for a brilliant matte painting digital or otherwise and I thought some of the the fisters that were on display here were, were absolutely Kid fisters. beautiful <laughs> fuck it do you take a break <laughs> just, can you <laughs> now I know how Helen feels <laughs> do we think at some point whether in this season or going forward more broadly from here are we facing like an epic cleanup operation on Mandalore how is this going to be like trying to reunite the Mandalorian people. Well, they and all come out Mandalore. in like high-vis vests and start picking up rubbish. Yeah, it's like mm, um, so. Stacey Solomon's sort your life out in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> in the Star Wars galaxy, they got to clear everything away. They move all of the stuff uh-huh. to another nearby planet, yeah. keep what they want, bring it back to Mandalore, rebuild it, and then everyone lives a happy life. I, I get the sense that it is heading towards like, oh, the planet is actually fine. It's livable. 
Uh, apart from all the shards of crystal everywhere. I have a question. Why are all the cities underground? I think because they were all fighting against each other. So no, all the so they were designed were to be underground. I think so. Because this was not clear to me why they went deep, deep, deep under the ground to find the cities. You know, if I'm building a civic center, I put it on the surface. That's just me. They're going deeper underground because there's too much panic in this oh, town. Oh no! <laughs> That's the second Godzilla reference in this episode. Uh, there will not be a third. <laughs> Um, I've got a question and it's like so Bo-Katan who we have a slightly strange relationship with I would say like she's quite obsessed with the whole ruling thing isn't she my family used to rule here I used to rule this place it's like oh calm down ruling isn't everything wouldn't be bragging about that it looks (laughs) shit now uh, yeah. Also, there was a very interesting exchange, a couple of nice exchanges, I thought, with, with Grogu, which is difficult to have an exchange <laughs> with a character who cannot speak. He does or, growl, though, this he episode. He does growl. He also says, Patu. Pelimoto thinks patu. that she says, he, he, that he says a word, but I'm not so sure yet. Uh, but there's a, there's a moment where, <laughs> there's a moment where uh, Bo-Katan says to him, oh, what did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? And you could equally argue that so far, or it's shaping up that way, that the Mandalorian of the title may equally refer to Bo-Katan as, as the weeks move on. I'm but, not saying they're going to kill Din by any chance. That was a moment where I was, I was like, Grogu does know there's more Mandalorians. He's seen yeah, loads I mean, he's of them. Yeah, he's met tons he's of them. He's met yeah. many of them, including you. That was a very random line. I didn't understand that. Felt like a line for the trailer that didn't actually yeah. really fit in the show. I had that feeling, though. At the end of season two, I was like, oh, is the Mandalorian referring to Grogu rather than Din? Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to refer to bo in the same way. But I'm finding this whole diversion down the bo route really intriguing. I think it's doing a good job of giving us... I mean, obviously, we are very uh, well-versed in the blur-blur, but for people mm-hmm. who aren't versed in that, it's doing a good job of telling you the stuff you kind of need to know. Um while also exploring stuff that people who are versed in the blur blur as we are have wondered about for a while and are getting to see the continuation of that. Mm. It's doing a really good job of passing out that information. And the Darksaber obviously finds its roots in the blur blur and we know all about it from that. But it's interesting that she gravitates towards it the second she sees it. Mm. In many ways, Bo Selector, the Darksaber. Oh, no. no. Sorry. I think I would have preferred a third Godzilla reference. Uh, Size does matter. Uh, (laughs) Official Major K uh, asks two questions in a foul shopaholic, uh, Brewy underscore Chris Stiley. Apparently this season, in every episode, they play Kill the Beastie. Uh, As you discussed last time, that's not always necessary. There are other options, especially with that evolved creature with the armour in the minds of Mandalore. Wouldn't it have been better to keep it alive to hear the story or to see if it could be an asset or don't you think it's dead? I think it was trying to kill them. It, it was trying yeah. to suck Mando's juice. Yeah. Which I'm saying is... Pressurized helmet or no pressurized yeah. helmet, leave like, his juice alone. Yeah. No spelunking, thanks. Absolutely not. Also, last week's plot point with IG-11 seems a little redundant. Now Mando gets R5-D4 instead. Has the show become too fan y or do you like these callbacks? while they don't really drive the plot forwards. I think I've said this before, but, you know, if you have a situation like this that requires a droid, then it might as well be R5-D4. Yeah, why not? Just a new droid. I don't know if that's... You could totally believe he's been on Tatooine for some time, so... Um, And then the people who... The people like us who get it go, brah, that's brilliant, it's R5-D4. Then the people who don't go, 
that's a droid that fucks up every five seconds. That's fine. <laughs> I think that's better than it, like really zoning in of, oh, this pivotal thing ties into one tiny thing from the original yeah. films. I think that's maybe slightly more egregious than just like, oh, if you know that this droid is that droid, then that's a cool thing. I'd have picked the up. gonk droid myself. There was a gonk droid bobbing around at the back of Pelly. I'd have taken that spelunking. Sure. At least it's got feet. <laughs> it just goes gonk, gonk, <laughs> and then gonk. <laughs> yeah. A mouse droid. Uh, a mouse, mouse droid, droid could have been kind of helpful. Uh, at Maybe. With a little parachute on it. <laughs> mouse droid with a parachute. That's true. That's true. They have wheels. They can go into small areas. They can run around. They're mobile. They're not how would get rated for spelunking, how would, how I'm would saying. How would get back up again? Yeah. It wouldn't. It'd be a one-way trip. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's d- you feel arc. like they don't cost a lot, do they? Like, I reckon you could also, just they were leave it working there. for the Empire. Yeah, fuck, fuck them. them. Yeah. Sympathizers. I, mean, I was just following orders to squeak some mouse droid. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Stamping that fucker's face. At Cantona's Ghost, is this season's arc leading to the reunification of the Mandalorian society and will this lead to Bo-Katan gaining a darksaber from Din Djarin in battle or a re-evaluation of the respective beliefs with her accepting the weapon without having to defeat Mando or him making compromises to the Creed rule? The Mandalorian Society sounds like something they tried to get you to join during Freshers Week. Yes, it does, doesn't it? You sign up for a free coffee and then you're like, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> I'm going to go to weekly meetings. Oh God. But I think this might be where it's heading. I think there's going to be a reunifying the people, maybe trying to clean up Mandalore. And I don't think Mando himself is that asked about that. He just cares about Grogu. Um, I think he's not that asked about the Darksaber either. I, no, but I he only be... cares about his little Death Watch crew. That's all he cares about. He clearly cares a lot about that, though. And I think... But that will be part of the re- reunification of the Mando people, I imagine, that they're, maybe everyone needs to just chill the fuck out a bit, drop some of the beef, and all get along. Yeah, but I, I, think, I feel like he's never going to accept people who do not pressurise their helmets. I think he will, eventually. I think, think he will. I think he's, he's, he's softening. His helmet is softening. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, in time, he will let... Oh, no. Uh, Bo-Katan... Embrace? No. I, I, the, well, the thing is, he doesn't oh, seem God. to... He, because he, he was initially quite upset that she didn't have the helmet on, but now he seems quite totally fine, with it. fine with it. But yeah. yet is adamant, adamantium even, that he, uh, that he won't take his off again. I think he will. You I think, think he will. will? Yeah, I think he Next will. time Pedro's on set. Next time. <laughs> Once they've cleaned up Mandalore, it'll be really easy to get back to the lake and he'll take it off and he'll be like, it's fine, I'll that's just go true, That's the true, that's true, that's absolutely true. He can take up as much as he wants and go for a swim. I like when he was having the, the pog soup, um, which I want the recipe, by the way. And he, and he, again, it's just like he has to grab his helmet yeah. and then he has to tilt it up backwards and then just get the soup. It's not very practical, is it? It's not very practical. No. He, he just like chucked it down himself. Do they not have straws in the future? Yeah, he needs one of those crazy straws that starts yeah. around the helmet, goes all the way around <laughs> and then comes back. Yeah into the soup, into the pog soup. I think the arc of this season is going to be him getting back into the armor as good graces so that he can take back the tiny chainmail and go, in hindsight, this is frankly <laughs> absolutely useless and I really need it to be a Beskar spear again. Please transform it back. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> Regrettable purchase. Flyer's remorse, I admit. Please make this stabby again. Did you keep the receipt, Dinjarin? Uh, I will no. find it in the waters of Mandalore. <laughs> <laughs> it fell out of my pocket. Oh my god. It is valid for 28 days after purchase. 
Uh, last thing, last thing is uh, we haven't talked about Peli Motto. We haven't talked about who I am warming to with every appearance. Ben made a face which indicates that you're cooling to her with every appearance. No, she's fine. She's never been my favorite part of the show. She is still possibly my least favorite part of the show. I don't, I don't begrudge it. It's just, I don't know. It's not my favorite part. If that is the bit that to me does feel, if you're going like, well, after Andor, things should be a bit more serious. That is the one bit where it's like, okay, that is. Pretty I don't know. I, I liked her ripping off Rodians. I, oh, I liked her grift with the Rodians. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. She she always has fun moments, but for me, it's like picking out like moments that I liked within wider stuff that I'm like, I don't. She was speaking Jawaese or whatever the language is. Again, that was fun. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of the BD droid because it was hanging around in the background in this episode. But she has one of the BD droids mm-hmm. from the Jedi. Very cool. Okay. Anything else you want to say about this week's episode? Otherwise, we're going to wrap this bad boy up and return it to the armorer. More squeezies! More squeezies! <laughs> Good God. But we are going to go back to those guys. That's the thing as well. I don't think episode one was a filler episode. Like, that's clearly setting up a... Mm-hmm. Uh, not the biggest bad, oh, but a bigger it. bad. And they're going to have to go back to Navarro, and they are going to go and get IG-11, and we're going to see the Anzellans again. I don't think they are doing full-on standalone, like, fillery stuff in that sense. We've learned through the first couple of seasons of the show that all the people he meets along the way, all the scrapes he gets into, he's going to rustle up all these bad boys into some kind of crew by the end of the season or need them for something. I don't think anything's uh, disposable in this show in that I way. don't think we've seen the last of Pirate Captain Gorian Shart, a man who follows <laughs> through. <laughs> do you think, I mean, how much more time do you think we're going to spend leaping like a lerman in the mines? Like a lerman? Like, mines? Mines? How, how much oh, longer? No. Yeah, mines? Uh, how, how much longer do you think we're going to spend? Are we, are we done with the mines? Are we going to, what, what do we think the, the next episode I has in store for I don't know. I, honestly, I'm surprised we got to Mandalore this quickly. He, he usually faffs around for a lot longer than this. And I think now, everything from the trailers we have seen, I think pretty much everything that is in the trailer is That's in the first couple of yeah. episodes, yeah. which yeah. is exciting for me of where we're going from here. It, presumably, he's going to go to the armorer and be like, oh, I, I totally bathed in the water and Bo-Katan's going to be like, I mean, he kind of fell. Kind of <laughs> yeah. drowned, I mean, the great Lummox nearly drowned. <laughs> uh, and here, we brought back the carcass of this 15-story mythosaur to prove it. <laughs> oh my God, there's always a bigger fish. More like uh, the dying waters of Mandalore, am I right? <laughs> am I right? Am I right? Here all week, tip your waitress. Oh, you can't because the cafe is now rubble. I love that there's a little blue plaque down by the, uh, the living waters, basically saying what it was for and when it was founded. Is there? Yeah, that's what she says. She reads it off a little plaque. There's a little tourist plaque next to the waters. It's great. Oh, like sort of like Charles Dickens. Basically that, or, yes. Yeah, the Empire yeah. podcast was recorded here in this day. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A little National Trust plaque. All right. I have one closing thought, which is, yes, more Grogu front flipping. Make him flip everywhere. He doesn't need to walk anymore. Mm-hmm. I had just have him bounding, like flipping constantly. I love mm-hmm. that. He's unlocked a new power. And he, it's like when you unlock something new on a video game and you just mm-hmm. keep pressing X, mm-hmm. he's just going to keep on flipping on. Uh, also, Navarro last week... Dave Navarro. Genuinely, I'm just going to put cards on the table. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they revealed that as a new Star Wars land somewhere 
like an adjunct to Galaxy's well, Edge. Only because it looked a lot like being at Disneyland. <laughs> it's like they were shooting on the day off. It really did like, feel like they just they nipped over to the Magic Kingdom yeah. and then It's it's got a lot of potential. And I think they would want a Mando era part of the theme park because the Galaxy's Edge is specifically sequels era. And I I think they will do some kind of like Mando era theme park. That I, I'm laying my cards out there, and I think one of the rides will be zooming around like Grogu in his little crib, as he did in this episode. Well, Ben's pitching to be an Imagineer. Uh, aside. Oh my god, please do! I mean, obviously, I'm extremely dedicated to Empire. <laughs> I'm very wedded to this job. <laughs> but if if you want me to be an uh, Imagineer yeah. and rustle up Star Wars Navarro Edge. Mm-hmm. Grogu's playground. Don't hire James or I because we, our, our rides would be grotesquely <laughs> sexual. So don't, 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 Why is this ride called <laughs> Pressurize the Helmet? Why is this Mando's big dong? <laughs> what, what is going on? When the Imagineers said they had a ride called Ride the Rancor, we didn't see it going in this direction. <laughs> oh, God. On that note, that is it for this week's episode of the Mandalorian Spoiler Specials. Hope you guys have stuck around to the end. Seems doubtful. Uh, very doubtful. <laughs> I wanted to leave 10 minutes ago. Uh, anyway, I do have to leave. Oh, shit, I've just looked at the time. I do have to leave. Uh, all right, that is it. It is goodbye from James Dyer. Oh, goodbye. It's goodbye from Ben Travis. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We have spoken. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.